0: You are listening to A Scary State, and this week we're covering Michigan. So Nora, yes Lauren, let's get scary.
1: Hi everyone,
0: it's Nora and
1: Lauren. Mm -hmm. Um, We're recording on Monday night, which is so strange, but we were recovering all Sunday from my birthday, which was on Saturday.
0: What did we do, Nora?
1: We took a party bus to a brewery.
0: It was so much fun.
1: Yay! We like screamed Hillary Duff songs and i'm sure like the 50 year old guys around us wanted to <laughs> strangle us but you know what we don't care because we haven't gotten to do stuff like that in like a year so and everyone's finally vaccinated
0: in our I know, group it's so insane we finally able to all hang out together
1: yeah it felt good it felt good to see everyone and just like be around people and not be like really nervous i mean yeah. we're still careful but yeah but like we have that added protection so it's just nice
0: it is nice and we were outside so that's good yeah. too and yeah the fun thing about where we went was where joe and i got engaged
1: yes i love that you guys took a picture there and <laughs> of like, course it was adorable all right so are we ready to get into this yes this week we are talking about michigan Michigan, nicknamed the Great Lakes State, joined the Union on January 26, 1837, and became the 26th state of the U.S. (laughs) Michigan got its name from the Chippewa Indian word Michigama, meaning large lake. Weird laws in Michigan are, it's illegal to serenade your girlfriend if you live in Kalamazoo. If you buy a bathing suit in Rochester, it must be inspected by the police. I don't like that. I, that seems wrong in many ways. <laughs> On Sundays, it's illegal for a husband to skull at his wife. Good. Yeah, I feel like that should be a law every day. And I think it's scowl. Oh, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot pronounce words.
0: I just don't want anyone to give you shit. I know.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, my heart's racing now. (laughs) Michigan is the state with the most lighthouses with 124.
0: I would have thought it was Maine or something. I agree.
1: And that's, yeah, like when you look up, when you Google pictures of Maine, I feel like it's like lighthouses and really pretty views. Yeah. And then I feel like when you Google pictures of Michigan, it's like Detroit and all the water issues. Like you don't think about (laughs) the lighthouse. Yeah. Yeah. There have been 107 documented sightings of Bigfoot, Bigfoot with the most occurring near Cummins in the Huron National Forest.
0: Oh, wow. That's also, I would think, Bigfoot would be like Washington, Oregon. Yeah,
1: that's so true. Wow, Michigan, you're impressing us. <laughs> in 1846, Michigan abolished the death penalty for all crimes other than treason, which was the first state to do so.
0: Oh, actually, so remember when we recorded Virginia and I said, oh, we still have the death penalty in Virginia? Mm -hmm. Literally a week later, Virginia abolished the death penalty. No way. Yeah. I meant to bring it up, but I kept forgetting. I have such
1: mixed feelings about the death penalty.
0: I'm in a very gray area.
1: It's so, it's such a tough thing.
0: We watched this movie in one of my classes where a guy was purposely trying to show that you can easily be put on death row for like a crime you didn't commit. And mm. so it was I can't remember the movie at all, but it was a really intense movie and he staged a crime to make it look like he was the main suspect, but he actually didn't do anything and mm-hmm. he was put like on death row and he was, you know, executed for it and it was a really intense And they movie. found that he didn't do it. He didn't want anyone to know he didn't do it, except what? the one where, like reporter. It was a really long time ago. It was a really good movie. You need to tell me the name of that. I'll try to I'll try to search for that.
1: Huh. According to Wikipedia, in Michigan, there have been four identified serial killers and three unidentified serial killers. According to research from Radford University, a Virginia College, (laughs) and Florida Gulf Coast University, Michigan is in the top nine states with the largest number of serial killer victims at 381 since 1900. Dang. You know what I always think about when I think of Michigan? What? Eminem. Oh, Nora. Because the movie <laughs> Eight Mile and like Detroit, I
0: That's just such a good always movie. think
1: of Eminem when I hear Michigan. I love him. I do too. That, that movie is beautiful.
0: Yeah, it's so good.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: So, Lauren. Okay. So, I'm actually really excited to cover this person. All right, so the Sunday morning slasher quickly became known as possibly one of the most prolific serial killers in American history after being suspected of killing more than 100 women. That man's name was Carl Eugene Watts. He also gave himself the nickname of Coral, and he gave himself the nickname because it is how he pronounced his name Carl as, like, with his southern draw. Uh. Yeah, I don't like when people give themselves their own nickname. Like, like that. Like that guy. He's not allowed to. No. So Watts was born on November 7th, 1953 to his parents, Richard Eugene Watts and Dorothy May Young in Killen, Texas at Fort Hood. Watts' father was in the Army as a private first class, and his mother worked as a kindergarten art teacher. So before the age of two, his parents separated, and Watts moved to Inkster, Michigan with his mother. But there were kind of mixed reviews that i read like another source said that his mother moved to detroit and watts remained in texas and lived with his grandmother for a while so it's mm. kind of all over the place but sometime after their move in 1962 watts mother married a man named norman caesar who worked as a mechanic caesar and dorothy his mom had two daughters together who would become watts's half sisters mm. so it's possible that he also went to live with his grandma after this marriage but it's yeah kind of all over the place wait
1: can i just say something completely random of course Do you ever have, like, things that happen to you and it's like, like, okay, so so the name Caesar has come up so many times today?
0: Okay, yes.
1: Like, this guy at my work his dog, he just told me his dog's name is Caesar.
0: That happens to me often. Like, Like, I never hear that name. When we started doing this, someone was like, are you going to have things behind a paywall? And that day, I heard another podcast talk about a paywall. Someone asked me that question, and then later that day I was talking to someone else who brought up that word. I was like, I have never used that word before today, and I've heard it three times. It's so weird. It is very weird. I just had
1: to point that out, because after the second time I heard it, I was like, oh, that's the second time, and then I just heard it just now from you you and i was like what is happening it's so weird it is sorry
0: (laughs) that's okay all right so back to watts and his grandma so his grandmother was interviewed by the houston chronicle and she told them that even at a young age watts enjoyed hunting rabbits and skinning them
1: oh so that's
0: always great telltale sign yep (laughs) and even at this early age watts was described as being a strange boy but also polite and soft-spoken So he claimed that around the age of 12 is when he first began to fantasize about torturing and killing young women. Okay. When he was 13, he was infected with meningitis, which is the, quote, inflammation of brain and spinal cord membranes, end quote. It can be very dangerous and even life-threatening, and so due to the high fever that comes with meningitis and being out of school because of it, Watts was held back when he was in the 8th grade, and this immediately put him behind in school and with his fellow classmates. So he was receiving failing grades, and at the age of 16 was only reading at a third grade level. So as you guessed, this caused Watts to be bullied severely while at school.
1: Wow. it's like stark weather.
0: Yeah. mm Mm-hmm. And it's believed that by the age of 15, he began stalking girls. So at this point, he allegedly had already killed his first victim, but we really don't hear anything about it. It's just alleged. Mm Mm-hmm. So just before Watts was 16, on June 29th, 1969, he was arrested for the sexual assault of Joanne Gave, a 26-year-old female. So he had been on his paper route and arrived at the door of Gave. When she opened it, he attacked her. He later told police that the reason behind the attack was, quote, he just felt like beating someone up, end quote. That's terrifying. I've never in my life just thought, that's someone who I'm going to beat up. And he probably saw her before on his like paper route something probably that's so creepy so he was tried and sentenced to a mental hospital in detroit called lafayette clinic so remember he's only 16 at this time so Mm -hmm. i think they're treating him more as a juvenile Mm -hmm. so while at the clinic watts had a psychiatric assessment which revealed that he had an iq of 68 which showed that he had mild mental impairments so it was also revealed that he had quote delusional thought processes but an officer later stated that he had interrogated Watts about his crime, and he believed Watts, quoted, to be very, very intelligent with an excellent memory. So during his final review, right before his release, Watts's doctor, Gary Ainsworth, stated, quote, this patient is a paranoid young man who is struggling for control of strong homicidal impulses. His behavior controls are faulty, and there is a high potential for violent acting out. This individual is considered dangerous, end quote. Wow. So, I don't think you should release someone if they're a danger to themselves or to others, but after less than five months, on November 9th, 1969, he was released from the clinic. He was somehow able to graduate high school still, in 1973, at the age of 19, and even went off to college. How? Well, he attended Lane College in Jackson, Tennessee, after receiving a football scholarship.
1: Oh, so he's going to get hit in the head a bunch of times, too. Yeah, because
0: that's always really, really good. So his time in college didn't last long, and after three months, he was expelled for stalking and assaulting women. But I also read that another reason for his expulsion was also violent, but a female student had been found brutally murdered, and Watts (gasps) was a prime suspect. But nothing came of this suspicion, though, because there wasn't enough evidence to actually connect him to this murder.
1: Try harder. Right. Oh, my gosh.
0: After his expulsion, Watts moved back to Detroit. So Watts did end up going back to college after his expulsion um, and began attending Western Michigan University, where he was enrolled in a special scholarship and mentoring program that was sponsored by the university. But before this program began, Watts was again evaluated by an outpatient facility, and the staff there determined that he had a, quote, strong impulse to beat up women, end quote, and that he was still a danger. But this is going to be really – this case is going to be really annoying. But due to patient confidentiality, no one at Western Michigan University or the authorities were made aware of Watts' evaluation. Wow. Yep. Someone's not doing their job. It's just like, you know, all the, like, I get HIPAA rules, I get all of that stuff, but, like, it's – That's, like, crucial. So many things could have been stopped if he had been – like, if people had kept an eye on him. Yeah. Yeah. So his horrible crimes began when he was just 20 years old, if we're not counting the one that he potentially did when he was 15. Yeah. So on October 25th, 1974, Watts attacked Lenore Nizaki when she answered his knock on her door. She fought back and survived. On October 30th, 1974, Watts tortured and brutally murdered his second victim. His second victim was a student from Western Michigan University named Gloria Steele. She was only 19 or 20 and was found stabbed to death. There were 33 stab wounds found on her body. And so um, during this case, I will be going over a lot of the victims and the dates that they were found or went missing Mm -hmm. because I feel it's very important to highlight the victims as well. Mm -hmm. So I just want to say that for – Why I'm naming so many victims. I got And there were a lot of victims, so I feel like they all need to be honored. Yeah. All right, so on November 12th, Watts attacked Diane Williams. She also survived and managed to see Watts' car, which she was later able to report to police. Oh, good. So after these two, three attacks, he was placed in a lineup and was picked out of the lineup by Nazaki and Williams. He was arrested on assault and battery charges. While in custody, he admitted to attacking 15 women but would not talk about the Steele murder. Watts' attorney was able to get him committed to the Kalamazoo State Hospital, where he received another evaluation. The hospital psychiatrist later diagnosed Watts with antisocial personality disorder, which is, like,
1: not good. Yeah. So
0: the Mayo Clinic defines antisocial personality disorder as, quote, "...a mental health disorder characterized by disregard for other people." Those with antisocial personality disorder tend to lie, break laws, act impulsively, and lack regard for their own safety and the safety of others, end quote. Mm -hmm. Which pretty much sums up Watts perfectly. Yeah. So he ended up receiving a one-year sentence for the battery and assault charges, and that's it. (laughs) Yeah. So most of his victims were young women between the ages of 14 and 44 – his methods of sta- or his methods of murder were strangulation, stabbing, bludgeoning and drowning. Wow. Which is weird because usually a serial killer or a killer will have their like MO, which mm-hmm. is the same way that they're going to commit the crimes. So with him having so many different ones, it's just very scary.
1: That is. It's like he has different ways of getting that fix or something, mm-hmm. which is really terrifying. Yeah.
0: So later he stated that he killed women who had quote evil eyes. I feel, I keep thinking that this
1: goes back to his mom in some way.
0: Yeah, he just hates women. Yeah, it is believed that between 1974 and 1982, Watts had murdered dozens of women. So this is one of the parts where I'm just going to go over a lot of them. Okay. So October 8th, 1979 in Detroit was Peggy Bochmara, who was 22. She was strangled. October 31st at the Gross Point Farms in Detroit was Jean Klein who was either 35 or 44 based on the sources, and she was stabbed with a tool similar to a screwdriver. March 11th, 1980, in Detroit, was Hazel Kanoff, who was 23, strangled. March 31st, Detroit, Denise Dunmore, 23, strangled. April 20th, Ann Arbor, Shirley Small. Um, she was 17, and she was found having been attacked and cut multiple times by what appeared to be a scalpel. She bled to death outside on the sidewalk. Um, May thirty first in Detroit was Linda Montiero, twenty seven, strangled. July Ann Arbor, Glenda Richmond, who was either twenty or twenty six, was found outside the door to her home, having been stabbed fifty four times. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. September fourteenth Ann Arbor was Rebecca Huff, who was either twenty or twenty nine, and she was stabbed. Rebecca Greer, who was 20, was found outside the door to her home as well, having been stabbed 54 times, but unsure of the date with that one. October 17th, at Western Michigan University, Patricia Lang was found dead in her car. She was 21, and she had been shot in the head. So all of these attacks had occurred around Ann Arbor within five months of each other. Mm. So that's really scary. In October of 1979, in Southfield, a Detroit suburb, Watts had been arrested for prowling around, but the charges were dropped. Oh, my gosh. And he went undetected for almost eight years as his horrible murders continued. His being undetected was mainly because his murders occurred in different jurisdictions and even in different states. That's just like the Richmond. Yep. That's yeah. exactly what I thought and about. And
1: the like, getting away with it because they're not working together.
0: Yep. So, yeah, I literally put different jurisdictions. Me and the officers don't talk to each other. Mm -hmm. Um, His murders weren't sexually motivated, though, which is good, but that means that it left very little DNA. Mm -hmm. And this is, like, kind of near the time when DNA was a thing. Um, So he was not suspected by anyone and was just able to fly under the radar. So I didn't include it, but Watts had been married, but by May of 1980, him and his wife had divorced. Mm -hmm. So I included this because his wife stated that he had been acting strangely during their entire marriage – he habit he had a habit of leaving the house for hours at a time, always immediately after the two of them finished having sex. Oh my God! So that could be one why his. Crimes and attacks weren't sexually motivated because he was getting what he needed from his wife, mm-hmm. but it—it's mm, just icky. She maybe I don't know if maybe she thought he was cheating,
1: but I feel like I would follow him at some point. Yeah,
0: but maybe she was scared. Yeah, that's true. Because he never seems know. like if you look at pictures of him, he seems kind of like a, he's a scary dude. <sighs> so soon after the divorce, the murders began popping up and popping up in Wisteria, Ontario, up in Canada, mm-hmm. which were all very similar to the murders that had occurred in Ann Arbor and Detroit. So, in July of 1980, in Windsor, Irene Kondratowicz, who was 22, her throat had been slashed, but she miraculously lived. Um, Sandra Dalpe was 20. She was also stabbed, but also survived. And then Mary Angus was 30. She realized she was being followed and began screaming. So, good, good, which scared away Watts. But he was again picked out of a photo lineup by Angus, but she was unable to say for sure if he was her attacker.
1: Mm. He
0: did become the number one suspect in Ontario, though, after his car had been recorded on video heading to Detroit from Windsor after each attack. He is literally handing the evidence. But because no one's talking, they're not connecting anything with it. Oh my gosh. In January 1981, the cops began focusing more on Watts. After having already given blood that couldn't link him to any crime scenes, Watts decided that he had enough of all this, people accusing him, and he just moved to Columbus, Texas, which was just 70 miles outside of Houston. New area to do it. So, of course, new murders began popping up in Texas. So, this is a little bit longer of a list, but again, I want to give, you know, everyone... Yeah. So September 5th, 1981, in Arlington, Texas, Lillian, but other sources named her Linda, Tilly was 22. She drowned in her apartment complex's pool. It was originally ruled as accidental until Watts eventually confessed to it. (sighs) September 12th. So literally, he's doing these like really close to each other. Yeah. In Houston, Elizabeth Montgomery was 25. She was stabbed while taking her dogs on a walk at midnight. That same day, Susan Wolf, 21, was attacked and murdered outside her home as she was exiting her car, also stabbed. Oh, my gosh. January 4th, 1982, in Houston, Phyllis Tam was 27. She, okay, this is a weird one. She was hanged from an article of her own clothing. And it wasn't until Watts confessed that it was ruled as a homicide. So at first, the medical examiner was unable to rule it out as a freak accident. Uh- so he literally just said, like, you know it could be a freak accident we're not really sure what happened wow. i'm sorry what what suicide maybe
1: freak accident a yeah. freak accident is like tripping and falling and hitting your head yeah it's,
0: it's not so, tying a rope around you the, oh, this case just made me so mad so january 17th margaret Fossey was 25 she was found in the trunk of her car and she had died by a, a asphyxiation that had been caused by her larynx being crushed. So like a punch to her throat was so bad that it made her asphyxiate.
1: And they found her in the trunk mm, of her car. Do you yeah. know that a lot of um like whenever cops will see get an abandoned car that was put on fire, they always check the trunk. Like that's like a oh, thing
0: that they're trained to do. I don't like that. I don't like that at I all. I know. Oh I don't like that. Um that same day Julia Sanchez had been changing her tire on the side of the road when Watts pulled over, slashed her throat And then just left her for dead. But she miraculously, I'm just not going to say that word. She (laughs) survived. (laughs) On January 30th in Galveston, Patty Johnson was, you know, he tried to slash her throat. I don't believe she died. But another man was imprisoned for this crime until Watts confessed. So I I didn't go into that, though. On February 7th in Houston, Elena Samander was 20, strangled. Mm. March 20th, Emily Lequay was 14. She was reported missing in Brookshire, Texas. And it was first thought that she had run away, but her body was found five months later. Oh, March 27th in Houston, um, Edith Ledet, who was either 24 or 34. She was either – I got two different reports. She was either stabbed while jogging or when returning home from a graduation party. And then, okay, this part is terrifying. Later that day, so he had killed Edith. Mm-hmm. Later that day, he tried to attack a woman named Glenda Kirby, but she escaped because his hands were slippery from the blood <gasps> that was still on them from the previous murder. Oh my god! How just dark? Like, I I hate it. First of all, like, did he not have a job? I don't. I didn't. Literally, not a single thing talked about his job. He had like small jobs and like um like lumber yards, kind of yeah. things like that, but nothing like nine to five kind of thing it didn't seem like
1: i wonder if his wife worked a lot and so that's why maybe she didn't notice, Well, she like... was
0: divorced at this point oh because this okay. is all happening in 81 82 and gotcha. they got divorced in 80 okay um so. yeah so march 31st mary castillo was 20 also strangled april 2nd christine mcdonald went missing while hitchhiking near rice campus april 5th suzanne Searless was 25 she was missing then later found strangled Watts hadn't – oh, this part's bad. Watts hadn't been sure at the time if he had killed her, so he held her head underwater to, like, finish it. Oh, my gosh. April 15th, Carrie Mae Jefferson was 32. She went missing after her night shift, then was later found strangled and stabbed. April 16th, Yolanda DeGracia, either 21 or 26, was stabbed in her home. Wow. May 4th, Sherry Strait was a high schooler. She was found three days after she had gone missing with her mother's car – so she went out driving and went missing, mm-hmm. and both her and the car were found. May 23rd, Gloria Cavallis, who was 32, was found dead in a dumpster. Mm-hmm. So he was finally arrested on May 23rd, 1982, in Houston after breaking into the home of two young women, Lori Lister and Melinda Aguilar, and he had attempted to murder them. Mm-hmm. So Watts had, Watts had tried to drown Lori in her bathtub, but she was saved by a neighbor That same day, Michelle Maday was found having been drowned in her bathtub. He is so sick. So Watts had lived in Michigan until a year before his arrest. And after his arrest, the police were able to begin linking him to the murders of at least 10 women and girls in Michigan. So at least we're making some moves. Yeah. So at this point, he was currently in jail in Huntsville, Texas after being arrested for the break-in and attempted murders, but prosecutors feared that they didn't have enough evidence to actually connect and convict him to any of the murders there, so they arranged a plea deal on August 1982. Okay, so this part made me so mad and shocked me. So the plea bargain was, if Watts confessed to his crimes and gave full details for all of his crimes and recognize they use the word crimes here, not murders, crimes, uh-huh. he would be granted full immunity for his murder charges and would instead just be charged with burglary with intent to murder. You beg my pardon? <laughs> you beg my pardon. <laughs> um, yeah. So oh. this charge, because it wasn't murder, this charge only carried a 60-year sentence. So intent to murder, in my opinion, should carry a much, much longer sentence. Like, intent to murder. That like That is...
1: Oh, This is why, like, family members go crazy mm-hmm. of these victims and just finish the deed and mm-hmm. handle it,
0: you know? So, surprise, surprise, Watts quickly took this deal and confessed to attacking 19 women, 13 of whom he murdered. The judge who sentenced Watts to the 60 years was quoted saying, quote, I hope they put you so deep in the penitentiary that they'll have to pipe sunlight to you, unquote
1: well at least the judge but i mean I, I wouldn't have accepted that plea deal if i was the judge like i agree with him but i would have been I don't, like
0: no get that out of my court how they did this i don't know how
1: it works either i'm but just so angry thankfully
0: <laughs> this was all happening in texas michigan didn't agree to this deal so the charges God. against watts remained open there <sighs> So overall, Watts confessed to forty murders, but also, Im- but it's also implied that this number could be close to eighty victims in total, and this is mind blowing when you think about it.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: like a pathetic, I'm sorry, piece of shit. Yeah, Watts would not confess to all of these murders because, oh, because he didn't want to be seen as a mass murderer.
1: Well, buddy, it's a little late. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> what I know. Oh my god, I was just you doing are these what notes. you do. Oh, my God. This just made me so mad. But police are still convinced that Watts is responsible for an additional 90 unsolved murders. Mm. So he was sentenced to 60 years, but while he was serving his not enough time in 1983, the Texas Court of Appeals looked into one of his crimes. So Watts had tried to drown Lori Lister in the bathtub. At the time of his trial, he had not been informed that the bathtub and water he had used were considered to be deadly weapons. So, because he hadn't been informed of this, he was reclassified as a nonviolent felon. Uh, uh, a nonviolent okay, felon? Okay, and if it's nonviolent,
1: then someone should drown him in the bathtub
0: because it's not violent. But a nonviolent felon who had con- like, committed brutal murders is a nonviolent felon. What? Mm. And now, because of this, he was eligible for early release. So Texas, at this time, allowed nonviolent felons to have their time in jail counted differently as long as they were well-behaved. So one day served in jail counted as three days. Mm. So you serve one day and you kind of get two free days. So, you know, say you're in there, well, I'll get there in a second. So, of course, he was a model prisoner. And due to the stupid rules Texas had, he was eligible for a lease on May 9th, 2006. So only 22 years into his 60-year oh sentence. Oh, my gosh. So that's the one day served with the two days free. Yeah. So this caused a public uproar, obviously. hmm And this law was later changed in the Texas Constitution, but nothing could be done at the time to keep him in jail because at the time, this was allowed by law. hmm So he's just – oh, So now Watts is completely done with Texas. He did his time. He's out. He has immunity in Texas for the 12 murders he admitted to. He's done in Texas. Did he learn his lesson? Well, remember he was facing those open charges in Michigan. Yeah. So in 2004, Mike Cox, the attorney general in Michigan, went on national TV to make a statement asking for anyone with information about Watts to please come forward. They wanted information that would be able to convict him of any murder in order to ensure that he would be in jail for life. So here's where a brave man named Joseph Foy comes in. He was from Westland, Michigan. Westland, Michigan. Mm -hmm. He stated that in December 1979, he saw a man who matched Watts' description murder the 36-year-old Helen Dutcher. Dutcher Mm -hmm. had been stabbed 12 times. So I'm not sure what it meant by he saw a man. Like, did he see the murder? But then I read somewhere that it said he saw the woman fall. So I don't know, like, if he didn't... Go out. I I don't know. So he, but he probably saw like something to where maybe something. it was weighing on him or something. So yeah, I read somewhere he saw the stabbing and saw her fall, but he didn't call the cops. I don't really know, but he stated that he knew it was Watts by his eyes. So I don't know how close he was if he saw the eyes. Yeah, but he described Watts's eyes as being quote evil and devoid of emotion end quote. So before his trial in the Oakland County Circuit Court in two thousand four. This is good. Officials asked the trial judge if he would allow the 12 murder confessions from Texas to be entered into evidence. So the cases that Watts had the immunity from. Mm -hmm. Surprisingly, the judge agreed because he had immunity in Texas, but not in Michigan. Yes. So his defense tried to say that this would take away his right to a free trial because it would be in the jury's mind and cloud their judgment.
1: Well, they need to know all the facts. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The pros- I believe it's the prosecutor. I get confused with defense and prosecutor. But they said that it would show a trend and a pattern. Mm. So I don't agree with I don't like when there's a court case and they're like, oh, we're just going to keep things out about their past. Like, I, I know. think anything about their past shows what kind of character they are exactly. and what kind of person they are. Yeah. It should 100% be included.
1: And it would be different if it's like, oh, he accidentally hit someone with his car
0: a few, like 20 years ago. I think no. it all depends. It is murders. Yes. yes. Like, like, continuous murders over years should 100% be included. Like, yeah. maybe if you were stupid when you were a kid and you stole a candy bar. Like, that yeah. shouldn't – go into your adult life but murders (sighs) yeah so he was immediately charged with the first degree murder of helen dutcher and on november 17th 2004 a michigan jury convicted him of that murder so i believe this was due in large part to foy's um, eyewitness testimony so michigan's first degree murder charge carries a mandatory life sentence without parole finally yeah so he was finally sentenced to life imprisonment on december 7th 2004 but only two days later, authorities then tried to convict Watts of the murder of Gloria Steele, who had been stabbed back in 1974. Mm-hmm. The trial for Steele's murder began on July twenty fifth, 2007 in Kalamazoo, Michigan, with closing statements occurring the next day where Watts received a guilty verdict. Wow. On September 13, 2007, he was sentenced to another life sentence without the possibility of parole. So he was sentenced to the maximum security prison in Iona, Michigan, which is named the Iona Correctional Facility. So unfortunately, Watts didn't spend nearly enough time in prison because just eight days later, he died of prostate cancer in a hospital in Jackson, Michigan. In the end, Watts admitted to 80 more murders that had occurred in Michigan and Canada, but refused to give details as now he didn't have any immunity for them. So Joe Tilly, the father of Linda, who had been drowned, stated, quote, Forgiveness cannot be bestowed when forgiveness is not sought. This is a confrontation with pure evil, with principalities and the powers of the air, end mm-hmm. quote. So I thought that was kind of, you know, I, yeah. saying like, I totally get not being able to forgive. I If I the other it. person
1: is like, I don't care that I did all this, then it's like, you know what? Then I don't care about your life. Mm-hmm. Have fun in hell. Yep.
0: Yep. <laughs> So if we were able to count all of his suspected murders and what people are trying to connect to him, he would be one of the most prolific serial killers in history. And that is Carl Eugene Watts. Oh, this case
1: made me so I'm, like mad. speechless. Like and I, he he ugh.
0: really got what he he deserved what he got. And I was going through, like, you know, going through the I use Murderpedia for like this whole thing because Murderpedia it. is just incredible. Yeah. And so I'm going through it and I'm reading it and my jaw is just dropped the whole time. Mm -hmm. I was so mad. That's why I wrote it like 900 times in my case that it was just – it's infuriating. I know.
1: And I'm glad you were like, this is bad. Like, I need that (laughs) heads up because I would be like,
0: like, in the microphone. (laughs) Like, I need to know. I had to write it because I was so mad. I was like, I'm going to say this at the time, but I need to put it in writing now because (sighs) I just need to vent it somehow. Oh my gosh, that's <sighs> that's wild. Yeah. And it's crazy
1: 2000 he just died less than yeah. 2 decades ago. Mm-hmm. Like that is absurd. And it's so
0: scary. Like he didn't have a type it was just women between 14 and 44, which, like, having a type is never a good thing, but, like, it just mm-hmm. makes it scary it, when it's so helps. random.
1: Yeah, because it helps find the person if there's some sort of pattern. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is, like, his crimes were so – like, usually stabbing someone 30 times, it's, like, it's something personal.
0: Yes. Like, you did something to them. Yeah, But to really – that's a lot of rage. And strangulation, too. They always use that as one of – the person knew who their victim was because it's such an intimate crime, Yeah, And so with oh, oh, it's just so, so scary. So crazy. I was telling Joe about it. I was like, listen to this guy. And I told him a little bit about it. And I was like, that's why I don't take our dog out for walks on my own. Yeah.
1: That's why I walk anywhere, like even sometimes during the day with my key between my fingers
0: because I'm scared. You're supposed to put it. Were you the one who told me you're supposed to put it in the little webbing between your thumb and your forefinger? No. Because if you put it between your fingers and you go to, like, stab, it can damage your fingers. So if you put it in that little webbing and you use it more as a stabbing motion, you don't get hurt as bad. That's
1: good to know. Yeah. Wow. Also, That's really good
0: to know. by pepper spray. It's I know. Target. I have a nice, cute little pink pepper spray that I carry with me. Yeah. Important. Oh. All right, Nora. <laughs> what do you have okay. for us? Okay.
1: Well... This week, I am talking about the Michigan Bell Telephone Company. So the story begins in 1907. Warren and Virginia Randall were a young couple who moved from Detroit into the old Judd White House in downtown Grand Rapids, Michigan. The house was huge and was once considered a prestigious mansion, but the house had lost its appeal over time because it wasn't well taken care of. Mm-hmm. Um there were people constantly moving in and out and it was used as a boarding house, so the people living there like didn't do any upkeep because they didn't own the place, so yep. it was just really run down. Um but Warren and Virginia moved in and the home seemed to have a more bright future where it could get some, you know, TLC, maybe yeah. a fresh paint of coat. A fresh Not. paint of coat. <laughs> yeah, fresh coat of paint. <laughs> I wrote it right. I just read it wrong. Dang it. <laughs> Warren Randall had a steady job as a brakeman for the GR and Indiana Railroad. He made good money there. He and his wife were happy, but unfortunately Warren got into a bad accident which changed everything. Aww. Yeah, he was involved in an accident at the rail yard at work. Mm-hmm. He was run over by a train. <gasps> Oh. Yeah, he survived, but not unscathed. Yeah. He tragically lost his leg in the accident, and so after the accident, he was at home a lot. Mm. Um, He could no longer work, and he, by the way, was, like, really successful at this job, made a lot of money. Yeah. The house they lived in was really big and nice, but all of that, you know, he – couldn't make a living anymore. Yeah. So he couldn't work and he would have to walk with a wooden
0: leg for the rest of his life.
1: As a result, Warren's self-esteem drastically plunged and he was definitely affected not only physically but psychologically by the accident.
0: I mean, I can only imagine.
1: I know. Yeah, that would be really hard. Warren became convinced that his wife, Virginia, was seeing other men. Mm. He accused her of having affairs, which Virginia profusely denied. Mm -hmm. Profusely denied. (laughs) And that led to more arguments, so definitely it became, like, very, very toxic in that house. Yeah. Apparently, and I shouldn't – I laughed so hard when I read this. Oh, no. Nah. But he accused her of liking men who had bl- more legs than he did. <laughs> oh. I'm like, okay, so then you consider almost every man a, f- a threat. Like, oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. Grasping
0: straw straws there for something. Really.
1: Like, not even, like, oh, a guy who has, like, nice eyes. No. Any man (laughs) with two legs.
0: (laughs) Maybe these were slim, then.
1: You know, maybe. You know, I really don't know. I don't either, but, you know, having two legs, you better watch out for Warren. Right. (laughs) So, he was delusional, and their fights got so bad that on multiple occasions, local police were called out to break up their Mm heated fights. At one point, cops found Warren chasing Virginia down an alley with a razor blade in his hand, and Virginia could not handle it anymore.
0: Well, I don't blame her because that's terrifying. It
1: really is. I mean, he was like – I feel like any time she would, like, walk into the house, it was, like, walking on eggshells because you don't know what what he's going to think of her doing.
0: Like, don't know what's going to set him off. Exactly.
1: And, you know, I think the leg – yes, the leg probably had, like, some to do with that, but I think he also had some deep issues beforehand and then it just came out more once that happened. So, Virginia loved her husband, but she couldn't handle how absolutely insane he was acting, and she feared for her life. Mm -hmm. So, several months after the razor blade incident late in the summer of 1910, Virginia filed for divorce and left Warren, Mm -hmm. which, thank God. Given Warren's pattern of behavior post-accident, he did not allow for a peaceful split. He tried to coax Virginia back, and she was like, hell no, and stayed away. but he did manage to convince her to take a buggy ride with him one late one afternoon. Oh no, that doesn't sound good. I know. I don't know how he convinced her. Maybe he lied, maybe he who knows. Maybe mm-hmm. he was like we need to fill out this paperwork. I just don't know, but it made me think about the cycle of abuse. Yeah. And I kept thinking about that because it's, you oh. know, so many bad things happened and if you don't break the cycle, it
0: and it's it can so end in that. hard to break the cycle so too. Hard. Yeah. Which is the sad sadden- and that's the Sad part about it because people want to break the cycle, but sometimes it's just not possible. Exactly.
1: Yeah, and um, I just researching this. It's very uncommon for someone to leave
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then stay away. Like usually they'll go back. Yep. So I mean it's very unfortunate, but especially in this time, she probably didn't have a job. She depended on him a hundred percent. Yeah. So it was very hard. But the cycle of abuse, I wanted to mention. Mm-hmm. It's building tension. That's the first part of the cycle then Incident of, of Abuse, Reconciliation, and then Calm. Ugh. Yeah. And there's actually a show called – oh, my gosh. What's that show with Reese Witherspoon? And it's like – this mean song is like, if you ever want it, if you want it bad. Okay. Oh I have no idea. I cannot think of the name that of That was it. beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so – Um, One of the women in that show goes through this cycle, like, Mm -hmm. many times, and it's so scary.
0: It is, because then when it's, like, that cool-down period, you think, like, okay, that was the last time that's gonna happen, everything's gonna be fine from now on.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. And and one
1: thing I read online, like I was researching the cycle of abuse um, because I think it's really important to like know about it. It is. And um, one thing that they said was if you're on this website and you're getting abused, make sure you clear your
0: search history. I mean, I hate that people would be on that website, but I love that they're like saying that. Yeah.
1: And then it was like, call this number, use the phone to get information. Don't use... The internet because you know you're more likely oh, to get I caught love how they're
0: giving that i
1: know and i was like you know what that just shows that they had to deal with that yep. so much but anyways i mean at I least just, that
0: seems like a very useful tool
1: definitely i agree So, unfortunately, this time, the cycle of abuse ended how it often does in domestic abuse situations. They went on the buggy ride together and ended up back at the Judd White Mansion, because he still lived there and she had moved out. Mm -hmm. And they got in a very heated argument again. Mm. But this time, the fight got totally out of control. Warren removed his wooden leg and beat Virginia with it until she laid unconscious. Oh, my God. Yeah, and this happened in one of the bedrooms in the house. He then stuffed towels into all the cracks in the room that they were in, and he tore a gas light fixture off the wall, and deadly fumes quickly invaded the bedroom. Oh,
0: Oh my God. Yeah.
1: There was no clean air getting into the room because he covered all the cracks. And he was
0: in the room, too? Exactly.
1: He was. Yeah. It was – yeah. And she was unconscious, so she couldn't escape. Yeah. She didn't know what was happening. So then Warren decides to slash his own throat using the same razor blade he used the night he chased Virginia down the alley. Oh my gosh. Neither Warren nor Virginia were reported as missing.
0: Was it because they were kind of isolated? Because I feel like with the whole like abuse thing, like he's going to keep her away from her family and friends.
1: Well, so that's what I thought at first, but then I was thinking about it and- she had left at this point and she was staying with someone. Oh, right, right. You're so right. So I don't know if she was, it didn't say if she was staying with family or friends, but oh. she was out. So I feel like at that point, the secret's out for at least the person you're staying with. Yeah. None of her family, no one reported her missing, oh. which to me is heartbreaking because is heartbreaking. who knows? Maybe they weren't talking to her because of divorce was like really yeah. a touchy thing at the time, but I couldn't really find information, Ugh. but I thought that was interesting. That's sad. Like sad, yeah. Two weeks after their final fatal fight, work, workers at a nearby business began to complain to the health department about a foul stench coming from the mansion. Oh, no. Officials from the gas company were sent out to investigate. And obviously, when they got there, no one was answering the door. Mm-hmm. So they broke into the home. Um, right away, they were hit with the smell of gas and decaying
0: flesh. Oh, I can't even imagine the mix of that. I know. Because, like, you were aware of our stove issues. Oh, yeah. But our stove broke, and we had a gas leak. So I came home from work one day and just smelt gas. So I called my mom. I was like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> what do I do? And so she was like, get out of the house. Call 911. So that was a fun day. I had two fire trucks, an ambulance, seven firefighters in my house. It was just good fun. Ugh. But just, like, the smell of gas is so distinct And thankfully, I've never smelled it, but the smell of decay is also, like, people say once you smell it, you know what it is. So I just can't imagine that mixture. The combination would be so – I think I would probably get sick if I
1: smelled that. Yeah. (laughs) They went through the house and discovered the locked bedroom, and that's when they discovered the corpses of Warren and Virginia Randall. Their bodies were in such an advanced state of decay at this point because it had been weeks Mm -hmm. that they were only identified by Warren's wooden leg. That dang oh my leg! Gosh. Oh, that leg caused so many issues. Well, Warren did, but the yeah. leg is always involved. Yeah. So they literally didn't recognize who it was, but they knew who he was because of the leg. Yeah, which is insane. But yeah, so unfortunately, it was a murder suicide, and the mansion was never occupied by another family again. I mean, I I wouldn't want to occupy something like that either. I I could never. And, you know, did you know houses um, have to disclose if someone had
0: died in them? Sometimes. Really? Sometimes. What do you mean? Some houses, like some states, they don't have to.
1: <gasps>
0: hmm. I feel like that should be a law. Good luck looking for houses, Nora. <laughs>
1: <sighs> I need to start reading all the descriptions. I'm house hunting right now. And like, first of all, that's a whole stressful process. But if I fall in love with a house and then
0: find out someone was murdered in it, I will not. I cannot. Like There's this <laughs> website. I'm going to have to find it, but you can type in a house and it'll tell you all the things related to that house. Like if there's been drug rings there. <gasps> oh, I have to find you it. You so have cool. to show me that. I'll try to find That's it. That's so interesting. But yeah, I think there's also a website. It's literally called something like whodiedinmyhouse.com. And you have to buy a subscription for it. Might wow. not be a bad idea for you and Ian to. That's so interesting. Have a subscription as you're looking for houses because yeah, some states do not have to disclose it.
1: Wow, mm-hmm. I'm gonna see if Virginia has to disclose it. If they don't, then I'm definitely gonna look into that. Oh yeah, because I'm not messing with that. No, no. <laughs> so, obviously, after this murder suicide, there were destined to be rumors of the house being haunted. Mm-hmm. Um, witnesses reported seeing strange lights and hearing loud noises coming from the house. And mind you, these two were dead and the house is abandoned. There were also claims of hearing a woman's voice, probably Virginia's, begging for mercy, like screaming, and people could hear it outside. Oh. Others reported hearing the sounds of Warren's wooden leg thumping through the house. Oh my god. Again, I don't the wooden like leg. Oh, the children who grew up in the neighborhood were warned to stay away from the old mansion. Yep. And it was clear that no one wanted to live in the house and no one ever did live there, like I mentioned. So the house sat empty for several years. Eventually the house was torn down in the early 1920s, and then the Bell Telephone Company built offices in the lot where the home once stood. And they've been occupying the space ever since. Doesn't sound like it's peaceful. I know. Even though the house is no longer there and there's an entirely new building, the two ghosts apparently never left. Local residents claim that they've been awakened by a phone call in the middle of the night, only to hear nothing on the other line. (laughs) officials trace the calls back remember this is like before caller ID yeah. so this was revolutionary detective work they were able to trace <laughs> the call Look back to the office they saw that it came from the office mm-hmm. where the mansion once stood so the telephone company yeah which is insane oh i don't
0: like that also
1: workers in the building apparently refused to go into the building late at night ever because they're too scared Um, And I tried researching who's currently in the building Mm -hmm. and I saw mixed reports. One report said that in 2013, the building was transformed into housing and supported facilities for the local homeless
0: population. See, that's really sweet, but also like haunted.
1: Yeah, but I don't know. I read one article on that and then everything else I read said that it's still the telephone company. Other people said that now it's an AT&T building and it has been for like the last decade or so. So okay. if you live in Detroit and you know who's occupying this building, let me know because I literally could not find it anywhere, which is really weird. And then I wanted to just finish off by mentioning the phone number for domestic abuse hotline. It's one 799 SAFE, which is seven two three
0: three. Oh, I like that. So, like that, you're saying that.
1: Yeah, I just think it's important. Like, try not to go on the website if you're dealing with that. Try to call, and people will talk you through resources.
0: Well, dang, this is a... (sighs) good episode very intense episode <laughs> um, well thank you so much everyone for listening like we'll say at the end of every episode please send us any stories that you have from your state any personal stories we would love to do an episode where we read your stories yes so send that to us at a scary state podcast at gmail.com also follow us on instagram our
1: instagram name is ascarystatepodcast and after every episode which all of our episodes air wednesday morning 8 a.m eastern eastern standard time um check out our instagram because we'll post pictures of all the things and stuff we talk about
0: and please rate and review us on itunes that's what's going to get us noticed what's gonna you know get us more listeners hopefully just you know get us out there and
1: you know what give us a thumbs up on youtube
0: yeah give us a (laughs) thumbs up on youtube there's six likes so far (laughs) and
1: it's all people we
0: know (laughs)
1: but we'll get there one day
0: yeah um so thank you everyone and remember stay scary stay safe